I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Here we are on the second Sunday of Advent. Advent um, came fast this year, it seems. Um, And today we focus on John the Baptist, and the readings are picked around John the Baptist. And so in the Old Testament, we have the reading from Malachi, which has the refiner's fire and the fuller's soap, and I can always hear the strains of the music um, whenever I hear that reading. And the, the, the theme of this Sunday is very much a theme of purification. We have the coming day of the Lord, and the, uh, the message of today particularly is we better be ready. And if we're going to be ready for the coming day of the Lord, we have to prepare ourselves and uh, do a bit of repenting. Now, the theme of repentance um, has been de-emphasized from Advent, uh, certainly uh, about a generation ago. When I was young, uh, there was this feeling that Advent was too penitential, and so we lightened it up. We were supposed to be excited about the coming of Jesus and not terrified, and so we we changed some of the tone uh, of the, the season. Um, and so uh, that's all good. Uh, you know, we don't want to be terrified uh, that Jesus is coming. We want to be joyful that Jesus is coming. However, uh, we must be cautious not to oversteer and lose the theme of repentance altogether from the theme of Advent, because that is one of the great themes of Advent, um, that yes, Christ is our Savior, Christ comes to redeem us, not to damn us, and at the same time, um, are we ready to have Christ hold up a mirror to who we are? So as we move with this apocalyptic theme into the theme of Advent, we have that that the urgency of the apocalypse still with us in these readings in Advent. And so we we think about that, that apocalyptic sense of Christ coming as Lord and Savior and Judge. And that is why we have John the Baptist telling us to repent. And when people say, what must I do? And he basically gives them good, solid, ethical advice. Don't, you know, don't abuse your position of authority. Uh, do what you're supposed to do. If you have a, a job for the government or the military, discharge your duties honorably. Just do the right thing. Um, as if to say that when Christ comes, we want to be without blemish because it will be painful for us to stand in his coming if the blemishes remain on our soul. And so you have that great image of the refiner's fire and the fuller's soap, which burn the impurities out. And so, yes, it is a process of purification, but the process of purification is not easy or comfortable. It's always uncomfortable. It is always painful. I, the, I, I, of course, I work on multiple levels at the same time when I interpret passages like this, and so I can interpret it individually and I can interpret it corporately in terms of us as a society. As an individual, um, the process of purification is always painful. Um, I don't want to learn bad things about myself, and when I do, it's always painful. I would rather not notice it. And if I'm going to do something about it, usually that blemish on my soul is because I, I'm getting something out of it. It's a, it's a coping strategy or a reaction that makes me feel safe or, um, or somehow better. It does something for me to behave in the way that I do. And if I'm going to change that behavior and not be, uh, not be the way that I, I know I ought not to be, then inevitably I'm, that means I have to give something up. 
that something that I'm getting out of that kind of behavior has to go, and that's what I don't want to let go of. And so it is a painful process. It feels like a burning, uh, a purification, and it's something that, um, if we're honest, we're, we're not too enthusiastic about. Um, and that the same goes uh, for societal sins. When we look at the state of society, that, that apocalyptic clarity, when we look at what's happening in our country, our province, our world right now, and we know the causes, we know what's going on, just take one issue of climate change, um, we know what's causing it, we know what's doing it, and to change is going to be painful. It's going to be a burning process to purify us of the impurities that have led us to this apocalyptic reality, and we don't want to do it, and yet we know we must. And so when the day of reckoning is coming, and the day of reckoning is largely here, um, we, we get a mirror held up to ourselves to say, who are we really? And usually the answer, if we're honest, is not who we ought to be. So that great theme of repentance in Advent is uh, more relevant than ever um, in our present condition. When we look at the way our society is working or not working and who it's working for and who it's not working for, we hold up a mirror to it against Christ who is coming and Christ who showed us how humanity ought to be. And we say, there's a problem with this picture. If Christ were to come today, what would he see? What would he say about who we are and who we have become? So we repent. And when we repent, we got away from that theme of repentance because I think we interpreted it poorly. There's a, there's a, a common understanding of repentance as feeling badly. But that can be crippling and that can lead to self-loathing, which is the problem. We don't want to hate ourselves. We don't want to say, oh, you're a miserable, horrible person that deserves nothing. That's what we got away from. But the, the, um, the, the difficulty is we, we leapt from self-loathing to denial, to narcissism. I am great. I don't have any problems. And if you tell me of a problem, then you're, 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 you're attacking my self-esteem, and I can't have that, so I'm not going to listen to it. And both of these approaches are not the, the, the approach which is the way of the Lord. The way of the Lord, repentance has to do with conversion. It has to do with change. It has to do with becoming who you were meant to be. And so that the, the notion of repentance starts with a sense of honesty about who we are and who we are becoming and what we are doing. And when we start with that honesty, it's easy to go to a place of despair. And that's where we don't need to go. We need, we, we need to avoid the trap of thinking, oh, there's no hope for me. I will never be better than this. Um, so so we, we can get stuck in these two places. We can get stuck in... Uh, there, there's actually a very comfortable place where we, if we look at our flaws, and we, we take repentance seriously, we look at our flaws and we go, yes, I'm not a perfect person, but there's nothing I can do about it. I can't change, so I'm just going to go on as I have been and just kick the problem down the road. I'll, I'll get to it tomorrow. I will change it tomorrow. And in fact, it'd be a quite comfortable place to accept that I'm a flawed person and do nothing about it. So... And I think that as a society, we do a lot of that. We accept that we're not a perfect society, but we kick it down the road and we just say, well, what can you do about it? I guess it's just the way it is. And, and the, the call to repentance is more serious than that. It is a call to change. Now, we can't do anything about 
about how we react to situations, and usually our flaws and our sins come from reactions. We, we get hit with threats or uh, things that, pr that trouble us or disturb us, and, and we react to them, and we react to them in inappropriate or unhealthy or damaging ways. We damage ourselves, we damage others. If we, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm being very um, general and abstract here, so let me make it more concrete. Um, we, uh, uh, when, when there was flooding and there was a question about available groceries, we feel insecure. Am I going to have what I need? So we buy all the groceries off the, sh the shelves of the store. Um, it is sinful. It damages us. It damages others. The bananas go bad because we bought more than we needed. But it is a reaction. We, 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 we acted out of our reactivity. And we can't control our reaction. We can't control our feelings of anxiety. That, those are just there. That's a reaction to the situation we find ourselves in. And so my, the last part of my reflections this morning about repentance and metanoia and change, the kind of change that John the Baptist calls us to, the kind of transformation or purification to be ready for the day of the Lord, um, has to do with there, there, are certain, there are two things that we can do. We can't change how we feel, but we can change what we do. So there's a, there's a place of reflection in between the experience and the reaction that we need to practice um, uh, interrupting ourselves in that moment. And that, of course, is what prayer and reflection do, is that, that reflection on, on, okay, I blew it, I, I, I sinned, I did something wrong. Why did I do something wrong? What, where was the moment where I had the choice? And so we reflect. That's the, the repentance, the, the transformation. We reflect on the processes that lead us to behave in ways that we know not to be okay. And in that moment, we become more practiced at saying, okay, I'm having this feeling right now, but I'm not. I'm going to choose not to react or behave in the way that I typically do. I'm going to choose another reaction. And, and that takes practice and work, but it's actually very practical work. It's something you can practice. It's something that you can reflect on in your prayer life and put into practice in your daily life. Notice what's going on inside you. Notice how your reactive impulses are pulling you in a certain direction. And, and just observing that and saying, oh, I have a different choice that I can make in this situation. The other thing that we can do, so in, in addition to noticing that place of decision, um, the other control that we have over our sinfulness and our reactivity is in how we pay attention. And this is more subtle. It's a step underneath that reactivity, that, that, that reactive moment. And how we pay attention is that we, we are always filtering our experience. We, we can't take all information in all the time. And so we have habits of filtering information that we find relevant or interesting or compelling and information that doesn't really penetrate our consciousness. And because we are wired to keep ourselves safe and secure, we are wired to pay more attention to anything that is negative or threatening or disturbing than things that are positive and uplifting and um, happifying. I'm sorry, it's a, it's a word for my family that I quite like. Um, but the positive things are easy to ignore and the negative things are impossible to ignore. Social media plays on this. There is nothing that gets more social media engagement than something that is scary or outrageous. The, the, the negativity, we focus in on the negativity and it gives us all this reactive energy and, and it crowds out other things. So 
part of the process of repentance is learning how to change how we pay attention, to not focus on the things that are negative and obsessive, and usually they're things that we can't do anything about. You know, oh, the, the climate is changing, and what can one person do? And so we read everything about all the horrible things that are going on in the world, and we feel completely helpless to do anything about it. What we can do is change our attention, not to say go into denial, um, but just expand the focus. We will always see the negative things and we will always pay more attention to them because we will react to them. We accept our feelings. We don't try to change those feelings. But the discipline we have is to shift our attention to things that um, are part, uh, part of changing who we are. So this is the importance of a gratitude practice, for example. Uh, part of our daily prayer life is to, to list our blessings, to reflect on them, to say, yes, even in this province of BC this year, we can't wait to see the back of this year with all the flooding and the fires and the COVID and all the things that put all of us on edge. Um, and even in the midst of that, there are things for which we can be grateful. And if we expand our vision so that we focus on them, we can, in fact, rejoice. And the last little bit from today's reading that I will point out is in Philippians, where Paul is rejoicing in the congregation to whom he is writing. And he's rejoicing even when he is in prison. So he, has, he could easily be focusing only on his own um, uh, uh, anxiety and, his, and the, oh, the threat to his person, which is real and present. But in fact, he expands his attention to the joyful things that are in his experience, including this wonderful congregation that he, he, that he loves and how well they're doing. And he blesses them and he wishes them nothing for the best and he rejoices in them. And so the message for me in that is, 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 is learning how to have that disciplined um, approach to our, uh, 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 how we pay attention so that we, again, we notice how we pay attention. We notice the things to which we keep returning and returning and obsessing upon, and we notice what that does to us, and we have a discipline of looking for other stories. And I'm going to share one story. I read the news a lot, um, and, and so you can imagine the negativity that I feel all the time. And I'm going to share one positive news story from a very unlikely source, just in case you missed it. That this week, in the Parliament of Canada, um, a good thing happened. And, and it happened in question period of all places. And in question period, as you may be aware, the, it's just political theater where all they do is yell at each other and say how the other party is horrible and does nothing good and are just full of idiots and, and immoral people. Um, and when this was happening, one of the members of parliament uh, insulted someone across the aisle, and the person across the aisle stood up to respond and said, I'm, I'm disappointed because we just had a meeting three hours ago where we were very cordial and cooperative and we were getting some really good work done. And so I'm, I'm sorry that the member felt uh, called to, to use this kind of language against me. And what was happening was that the secret parliament was leaking into the public theater because we've always known, in secret, they meet behind closed doors and cooperate and are collegial with each other in order to get things done. And then they, they behave abominably when the cameras are on to get the, their base riled up. And what happened for the 
first time in my memory is that that back room stuff leaked into the front room. So you actually had, a, had a, an image of our politicians working together for the common good of Canada. And you'd think it never happens, and yet it does. And in fact, it leaked out. And so in the midst of all the negativity and all that's wrong with the decisions that whatever pick your government is making, there are nonetheless people in government in positions of power that are working for the common good even now. And of course, it's a little blip in the news because it's not going to get a lot of clicks or reactions, but there it is. And so I share it with you just as one little thing from something that I'm interested in. Um, in each of our lives, we can turn our attention to things that are positive, we can change our perception of the world, and we can change our responses to it. And that, for me, is what repentance means. Not feeling bad and hopeless about what horrible sinners we are. Of course we're sinners. Everybody is a sinner. But there's something we can do about it, and we are called to change. And part of our prayer life is asking God for the strength to do so, so that we are pure and spotless on the day of Christ's appearing, who will come not to judge, but to love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.